Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We're a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then the house becomes a home. So today we want to say, welcome home, as we jump into today's service. Buckle up, gonna be bumpy. I got 25 minutes. Here we go. Are you ready? The last part of Enemies of the Heart, the series that we've been on, is today. As you know, Proverbs chapter 4, we've talked about it the last few weeks, but it says, Above all else, guard your heart because it determines the direction of your life. Wildly important that we guard this. We've discussed three enemies of the heart up to this point the last several weeks. We've discussed guilt. We've discussed anger. We've discussed greed. I've got all up in your business and on your toes. That's right. Hopefully through that, you've allowed God to really search your heart. Hopefully you've allowed God to really do some work in you because he wants to do some more work through you. But today we're going to talk about the final enemy of the heart. And let me tell you guys, this thing is ugly. This thing is mean. This thing is green. Today we're talking about jealousy. Yes, the tale as old as time is jealousy, friends. Cain was jealous of Abel. Esau was jealous of Jacob. Joseph's brothers were jealous of that fancy coat that he was wearing around. Woody got super jealous when Andy got a new toy named Buzz. Jealousy is all around us. It's the tale as old as time. It's interesting about jealousy because it's not that you don't want people to have good things. It's not that you don't want good things to happen to people. Like, that's not what jealousy is at all. You just want them to happen to you too, right? I mean, and jealousy takes on so many different forms. Like, listen, I'm not jealous that Danny has these big, huge, bulging biceps. I'm not jealous of that. I just wish that I had, you see what I'm working with here? I just wish that I had some biceps too. I'm not upset that he has them. Man, some of you guys with these big, lush, thick beards on your face. I'm not upset that you have that. I'm just upset that I can't grow any facial hair whatsoever. I just want to be able to grow something too. Like this little sparse little Chester Molester stash is the best I can do. And it's not good, all right? Erica won't let me. I've tried before. She's like, no, bro. I think it's fantastic that some of you have killed some big, giant bucks so far this year. Like, that's awesome. I just want to shoot a big, giant buck, too. Like, I'm not upset that, that, that you've done that. Listen, I'm not upset that Johnny Blankenship has uh, something. I'm sure that Johnny has something that I'm jealous of. I don't... I would ask Stacy, but she, she wouldn't be able to help me either. <laughs> Come on, ladies, let me get in your business a little bit, right? It's not that you're upset that your sister-in-law has these long, skinny, perfect legs. You're not upset about that. You just wish you had them too, right? You're not upset that your best friend can eat whatever she wants, whenever she wants, and she never gains weight. You're not upset about that. You just wish that that was the case for you. 
If we were to be honest with ourselves and get to the root issue, like the true problem is this. When God was passing out looks and money and smarts and athleticism and opportunities, he skipped me. Like that, that's the root of what jealousy is. You're not mad that somebody else has it. You just feel like God's forgotten about you. You, you feel like you've been skipped over. Guilt says this, I owe you. There's been some wrong done and I owe you and I gotta try to make that up. Anger says, you owe me. You've done me wrong, you owe me. Greed, last week we, we found out that greed says, I owe me. This is the least that I can do for myself. But jealousy is quite different. Jealousy says this, God owes me. God owes me. You've forgotten about me when you were handing out all those cool toys. You skipped over me, God. You owe me. If God had just made me a little taller, a little faster, a little thinner, a little smarter, a little more athletic, a little better looking, my life would be so different today. And I, I know that God says he loves me, and I know that God says that I'm his child, and I know that he says he doesn't have any favorites. But when we look around the world, we can't help but think like, seems like maybe you do have some favorites, Scott. I feel a little gypped. As a matter of fact, I feel like, God, you probably owe me a little bit. We're afraid to say that. I mean, we, we can't be mad at God, right? We, we're not allowed to say that. That ain't right. So what do we do? We turn our sights to the only thing that we feel like we can be upset with. It can't be God, ugh. So we turn our sights to what we can be upset at, and that's people. Like, if we can't be mad at God, then, friend, you're the next best thing. I got to be upset with somebody because somebody owes me in this situation. I've been gypped. The irony of this mentality that we fall into unknowingly is that other people have absolutely nothing to do with the process Whatsoever, I mean, other people have nothing to do with it. Somebody else can't make you taller. Somebody else can't make you smarter or faster or more athletic. Somebody else can't, I mean, there's nothing else that those people can do for you. I mean, if you're jealous because your brother-in-law got this fancy new truck and you didn't get one, what's he supposed to do? Is it actually gonna help if like, hey bud, I kind of feel sorry for you, I'll buy you a truck too. Does that make you feel better? Like, no, that makes you feel worse. I was already upset with this dude. Now I feel worse. He's offering me. That's how jealousy works. So here's what we do. We smush those feelings way down inside our hearts. We're a little bit ashamed of them. And the truth is, is that there seems to be no remedy to any of these feelings. We smush them down in there. And although there may not be a remedy, there is some temporary relief. If we were to be honest with ourselves, we really like it when bad things start happening to some of these people that we're jealous of. It's true. We, we like it. Like, oh, no, somebody keyed that brand-new Mercedes you got? Gosh, I hate that so much. Oh, no, you, you lost your job right after you bought that big fancy home? Oh, no, gosh, that's terrible. On the inside, you just feel so warm and so fun. Oh, you shot that big giant buck you've been getting pictures of? Oh, you can't find him? Gosh, ugh. Man, I hate that for you. That is the worst, right? 
Some of you can't wait to get into your cars after like Thanksgiving or some kind of family gathering. And it only takes you about 30 seconds because that sister-in-law that used to be so skinny and perfect, she's put on some pounds and you are thrilled about it. Did you see what she was wearing? The same jeans she used to try to fit in. She looked like a biscuit can that was halfway open. I mean, just hanging out all, can you believe it? Woo! Her husband must be quite the businessman because he has doubled his investment. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now we're having church. You hate to admit it. You're not proud of it in the least, but you are so happy that some of those things are happening, it makes you feel like a million bucks, which is why jealousy might be one of the most interesting enemies of all the heart. Think about this. Guilt, anger, greed, they all have a reason attached to them. They all have a story attached to why I'm angry or why I feel guilty. But jealousy, really no story attached to it. It's not a people problem. It's not a situational problem. Jealousy is 100,000% a heart problem. And until you allow the Lord to work in your heart, there is no relationship that is safe whatsoever from that green, ugly monster of jealousy. I've seen wives that were jealous of their husbands. Ever been in a social setting where all the spouses do is try to tear each other down? I have. It's awkward. I didn't invite them back to dinner, right? Parents can be jealous of kids. Siblings can be jealous of each other. There is no one safe from this monster. We have to allow the Lord to search and investigate our hearts. Pastor Mark, do I have a jealousy problem? Let's, let's ask that question. Actually, I think we're probably going about it all wrong because without much effort at all, jealousy quickly turns to something called resentment. Because resentment has to have a reason. I mean, there has to be some kind of justification for that resentment. And you are all professional at lying to yourselves and believing what you need to believe to justify your actions. I promise you, if you're jealous of somebody, you will find a reason to dislike them because resentment has to have a reason. So the question is not who am I jealous of? Here's the question you need to be asking yourself this morning. Who do I have resentment toward? That's the real question you need to allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart with. Who is it? I mean, be honest with yourself. Go home and think about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to search. Who is it that I have resentment towards? Could be any number of people, any class of people. Maybe you're resentment towards rich people, professional people, leaders, executives. Maybe you're Feel resentment towards people that are married. Maybe you feel resentment towards people that are single. I mean, maybe you feel resentment towards people that could have kids. Maybe you feel resentment towards people that have full custody of their kids. I mean, fill in the blank whatever your story is. But wherever there is resentment in your heart, I promise you, it started as jealousy. If you want to know what's in your heart, search to see what, if there is any Resentment in your heart. This is what James chapter 4, verse 1 says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? 
I mean, this seems like such a vague question, right? Like, we need to be a little more specific, if you would, James. Like, which fights and which quarrels is it that you're referring to? Like, because I got fights at work, and I got quarrels at church, and I got quarrels at home. Like, please specify what causes fights and quarrels among you. Look at the next verse. What causes fights and quarrels among you, don't they come from your desires that battle within? Now, James, it seems like maybe you've made this far too simplistic. Like surely the whole source of every fight, of every quarrel, can't be summed down to this. But it would appear that this is exactly what James is saying. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within. Inside each and every one of your hearts, you have desires, you have wants. There is this battle that is raging within you. And sometimes people just get too close. And sometimes people just bump into you a little too hard while that battle is raging within. And if we're not careful, that battle that's raging within can actually spill out onto somebody else. Really, the person has very little to do with it. Actually, it comes down to those desires and that battle that's happening within. The only thing the person did, they just bumped you a little too hard. They just got a little too close. Here's the reality that you have to embrace this morning is there is only one common denominator in all my relational struggles. Friend, that is me. Only one common denominator in every struggle, in every fight, whatever you're dealing with, only one common denominator, it's you. Verse 2 of James says this, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. I mean, obviously this is extreme, but James is trying to prove a point to us through this verse. You covet, but you cannot get what you want So you quarrel and you fight. And here is the source of all jealousy. Here is the source of all fights, the source of all quarrels, the source of all misunderstandings is this universal truth that you can't always get what you want. Getting quiet in here this morning, King's House. You can't always get what you want. Where you at? Woo! You desire, but you don't have. You covet, but you can't get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. This is the truth that you have to embrace this morning, friends, that's going to help set your heart free, is that you can't always get what you want. Listen to this. Take it to the bank. Life is not fair. I know we live in a society that tries to fight for equity around every corner and everybody gets a trophy. Whether you sat on the bench all four quarters or whether you played, everyone gets a trophy. But guess what, friends? That's not reality. Life's not handing out trophies to everybody. You can't always get what you want. Life isn't always fair. Life isn't always fun. Life is hard. And sometimes... Someone will always be better. Someone will always be smarter. Someone will always be more successful. This is the realities of it. 
But look what it says at the end of verse two. This is a secret for us today. You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. But you do not have because you do not ask God. Listen, I think that this is a remedy for jealousy in our hearts today. I'm going to give you three remedies this morning. I'm going to try to do it quickly. Remedy number one to get rid of jealousy in your heart is this, honesty. Honesty. You don't have because you don't ask. And some of you need to have a very open and honest conversation with God. I don't know why we're so afraid to tell God how we're feeling. I don't know why we're so afraid to tell God what we're thinking. He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what you're feeling. You having that conversation with him isn't going to change anything on his end. But you having that conversation can change everything on your end, friend. You need to have that open, honest conversation. God, I desire this. God, I wish for this. God, I don't understand this. God, this doesn't seem fair. Some of you need to get along with God and talk. That's what he's there for, King's House. First Peter 5 says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Listen, Hebrews 4 says that we don't have this high priest that can't sympathize with us. He's been tested in every way that you've been tested. He gets it. He understands. He wants to help you. But first you have to go to him and entrust those cares and that anxiety on him. It's not little. It's not unimportant. It's not insignificant. It's not silly. It is important to God because you are important to God. He wants to talk with you about it. And once you've acknowledged that, God, I'm not getting what I want, and I don't like that very much, once you've opened up your heart and you decided to be honest with him, once you've allowed him to show you some of those root issues that's going on in your life, friends, can I tell you that life gets so much easier. Listen, I'm not saying those feelings won't ever come back and try to pick up their ugly little heads, but listen, you've exposed those things to the light. You've brought those things before God. They don't have the same grip on you that they used to have. I'm not saying that your situation is just going to magically change this morning, but what God does is he changes us right in the middle of our situation. That's how he works. Amen. Have an open, honest conversation with the Lord. Step number two to get rid of jealousy from your heart is this. Celebrate. Celebrate. Well, that seems really bizarre, Pastor Mark, and I have no clue what that has to do with jealousy. Well, let me show you. In the same way that praying for your enemies has this beautiful cleansing effect on your heart, celebrating what once made you jealous is absolutely life changing if you allow it to be. It will cleanse your heart and it will keep those motives and that direction of your life so, so pure. Let me give you an example, conversations I've actually had with people. Pastor Mark, gosh, we love you. We think you're a really good communicator, but Chris Meek is phenomenal. Real conversations I've had with people. And you know what my response was? You are absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. Chris is one of the most innovative, creative, 
talented, anointed communicators that I've ever heard anywhere. As a matter of fact, he's one of my closest friends and we pray for each other and we support each other and I do everything within my power to see him succeed and I want to see his family blessed. You will not find a larger Chris Meek fan on planet earth than Mark Hinnon right here on this stage. I agree with him and when he wins, I celebrate Chris's wins. That's how I, that's how I live my life. Pastor Mark, we've enjoyed you being a worship leader for all these years. It's really good stuff. But Melody Meek is just on another level. She's great. Conversations I've had with people. You know what my response is? To you are a thousand percent right. You're a thousand percent right. She's one of the most anointed, one of the most talented, one of the most genuine worshipers I've ever been around in my life. She could go anywhere and do anything. And the fact that she's at the King's House in McAllister, Oklahoma, I'm blessed. Man, and I pray for her, and I support her, and I promote her, and I do everything in my ability to see her succeed. I am the head of her fan club, friends, her largest cheerleader. And when you live your life like that, you don't have room for insecurities. You don't have room for jealousies, man. You're too busy cheering people on. And when you're cheering people on and they're succeeding, it makes you excited because you're the head of their fan club. I feel like I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. That's okay. It's early. Mark, don't you think it's just a little weird that, like, Josh is so much more successful as a youth pastor than you ever were? He's like, isn't he, like, double what your youth group used to be? He is. And I'm so thankful. And I pray for him every day. And listen, you will be hard-pressed to find another human being on planet Earth that has a bigger heart with more love and with more passion than Josh Timmons. And I tell you, I would hire him a thousand times over. I don't feel insecure. I don't feel jealous. All I want to do is how can I help you and support you? And what resources do you need? Because this city needs Jesus, and you're helping them find it, baby. You need to get busy celebrating somebody in your life. Get that stick out of the mud, put a flag on top of it, and start celebrating what God's doing in people's lives, man. I pray for people to get raises. I pray for opportunities to open in their life, and when they do, I celebrate with them. I ask them, what's your hopes, your dreams, your passions? And if there's any way that Mark Hinnon can help, I do everything I can to help. I want you to succeed. I live a life of celebration. God hasn't called me to be a stumbling block or some kind of lid like you can't go further than me. It's the opposite. I want to be a diving board. Like run on me as far as you can run. And when you get to the end, jump far. I want you to go further and faster than I ever even thought possible that I could could go. And the more I live with that attitude, the more God blesses me and uses me and opens opportunities for you. Man, some of you are all depressed and stuck in the mud. You've allowed jealousy and ugliness to take root in your heart. Start celebrating something this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good preaching. I'm going to make you say it whether you want to or not. (laughs) Remedy number three. To get rid of jealousy from your heart, I'm almost done. Trust. Trust. Remedy number three is trust. I'm going to trust that he has good plans for my life. I'm going to trust that. I'm going to trust 
that his plans are to prosper me. I'm going to trust that his plans are to give me a future and a hope. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like or smells like. I'm trusting his plans are to prosper me. His good plans give me a future and a hope. Some of you need to grab onto this saying that I live my life by every day. It will change your life. God's promised me good things. And if I'm not seeing them today, then that just means good things are on the way. Come on, if I'm not seeing them today, that doesn't change the fact good things are on the way in your life this morning. Listen, I understand the principle that there is a time to plant. There is a time to water, and there is a time to harvest. Just because somebody's harvesting doesn't mean that God loves them more, and they're in favor, and God's forgotten. That's not what it means. That just means that you are in a different season of your life. Maybe you're planting, maybe you're watering, but whatever you're going through, I know what's on the way, and it's good, and it's to prosper you, and to give you a future and a hope. I don't have to see it today, friends. Good things. Follow Mark in and everywhere he goes. That's what scripture says. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Good things are on the way if you trust God. And if those things don't help, then I suggest you try this. Matter of fact, I want to try it with you this morning, if that's all right. All across this room, we just bow your head and close your eyes with me. Just forget about the person standing next to you for just a second. I want you to consider today your life before Jesus. Remember the guilt. Remember the shame. Remember how hopelessly lost you were. Lost. Realize today that you did nothing to deserve his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. Realize that it was his love that looked for you, went to great lengths in pursuit of you. Listen, understand that no one made him give his life on the cross. He chose to. He chose you. He thought that you were worth it. Think about that this morning. Now, remember the day that he found you. Remember how it felt the first time he wrapped those loving arms around you, friend, when hope washed over you, erasing all that old, and you knew that something new was being born. Remember when life and joy and peace became a reality for the first time. Consider every time he should have given up on you but never did. Remember every time you failed him and yet never once has he failed you. Think about every time he's been faithful to you when you were everything but faithful. Now, think about your family. Think about your children. Think about those grandchildren. Think about every single blessing that he's given you. Doesn't mean that life's been perfect or easy, but you are blessed. And that is 1,000% because of Jesus. Now with those eyes still closed, imagine that this man Jesus is standing right in front of you this morning. Eyes just full of love and compassion. 
Look at those nail-scarred hands and feet. His side where he was pierced. His back that bore the stripes for you. Now, friend, here's your chance, the one you've been waiting for. Go ahead and tell him if you want to. Jesus, you owe me. Come on. I mean, this is what jealousy is. Jesus, you owe me. Yeah, I, I can't do it either, actually. And I think when we consider what Christ has done for us, the only reasonable response to have is Jesus, you don't owe me anything. Quite the opposite, Jesus. I owe you everything that I could possibly give you. Every moment of every day has been bought and paid for by your blood. And you picked me up where nobody else could. And you saved me when nobody else would. And you gave me a future and a hope. And I have an eternal inheritance in heaven waiting for me because of you. And Jesus, I'm going to live every single day of the rest of my life to show you my love to show you my commitment Jesus I thank you for every person that's in this room this morning God if there's any bit of jealousy or resentment in our hearts would you show us those things Holy Spirit we don't want those things steering the direction of our lives the only thing we want steering the direction of our life is you Jesus so once again we just invite you and welcome you do a work in our hearts if there is any enemy in there, get it out, Jesus. And let that place be so filled with your love, with your compassion, with your grace, with your mercy, that when somebody does come along and bump into us, then an inward battle ain't going to spill over. But what spills over is the love and the goodness and the graciousness of Jesus. God, we thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing for what you're going to continue to do. We give you all the praise this morning. In the beautiful name of Jesus, everybody sits. Can we give God some praise this morning, church? <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week. Home groups, discipleship class this Wednesday night. If you're not plugged in, do it. Jump in there, guys. God bless you. Thanks for joining our podcast today. If you are ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving. Or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and want to visit, we meet every week at 124 V. Huber Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat your parking spot, and even pre-check in your kids before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all our latest messages, and we look forward to seeing you soon.